This is the Ad Nontech Podcast, conversations about education, technology, and culture, with Dr. Doug Reed and Dr. Matt Stranick. Thank you for joining us. that part of it out with Camtasia because that's what the first five seconds are for. Um, So uh, hello everybody, Uh, Matt Stranick here with you for the uh, second of our series of uh, exclusive, very, you know, awesome, very, uh, it's uh, interview-esque, but we're calling them uh, conversations. So we had uh, the newly minted uh, Dr. Lee Smith uh, just uh, about a week back. And now we are joined by uh, Calgary uh, Workland School of Education doctoral candidate. You have reached candidates to sea level. Um, and uh, this is also a very awesome uh, former colleague. And, uh, you know, we're, we're Facebook buddies and whatever else. Um, and I've just uh, sort of known Kara uh, we both worked at a former uh, institution, um, Thompson Rivers, you know, because that's where it was. Uh, and uh, I was just, uh, we, you know, I, I, she, she came into the uh, teaching unit. Uh, we struck up some kind of conversation. And then every time there was an event uh, that they sort of, or a workshop or whatever that they facilitated, because they had various offerings, you know, and I, as a aspiring faculty member at the time, did go to check out some of those. And uh, every time it was always just a really dynamic, fun, you know, kind of vibe to the thing, which uh, is, isn't always, uh, you know, the norm sometimes <laughs> in higher education generally. Um, it's been my experience. So it was always a highlight. And, uh, you know, Kara has uh, subsequently moved on to other roles. She's been really carving a very strong path in uh, in terms of leadership, and uh, you are now within the uh, leadership stream at U Calgary, right? Where we both attended, we are we are both within the 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 Ed D, right? You're you doing the Ed D as opposed to the PhD route. So now that I've kind of just wound up the whole shooting match uh, ahead of our uh, conversation. Thanks a lot for joining us, and uh, I'm really uh, pleased that we have uh, the next uh, however long you uh, care to, uh, you know, stick around for a conversation. Thank you, Matt. I'm really happy to be here. Uh, honored to be asked and always delighted to talk about higher education and uh, also my my doctoral project. That's fantastic. Well, I guess, first of all, I mean, you've had a pretty uh, extensive career. Um, I did you know, whatever anybody would do in my situation. I had a, you know, cursory glance at your LinkedIn before, uh, you know, at some point this afternoon. 
Um, but I guess uh, just sort of generally for the folks out there who might not even know what a LinkedIn is, uh, you want to maybe just give us kind of an overview of uh, your career such to the point that it has led you to where you are now. Um, and you can go about that uh, however, to whatever extent you want. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna start by saying that I studied at the University of Saskatchewan. I have two undergraduate degrees from there, and in my first undergraduate degree, I majored in Spanish language and literature. And actually, the newly minted Dr. Lee Smith sold me his used Spanish textbooks for me to enter. I was first year student, but I wrote a competency exam and started in second year Spanish classes. So there's another connection there, Matt. That uh, the the two or the three of us have there. Um, and awesome. at the, uh, in the 1990s, when you had an arts degree, <laughs> there wasn't a lot of work in Canada. And I think there wasn't a lot, a lot of work, especially in Saskatchewan, Saskatoon, Saskatchewan, where I was. So I went overseas, uh, to teach. I taught in, uh, Taiwan, as many newly minted arts graduates did. And, um, I guess I, I developed through that and some other activities, a, a real love of teaching and education. And so I did some more degrees and did some more teaching back in Canada. I taught um, English as a subsequent language in Quebec for a few years. I worked as a flight attendant. Yes, this scarf today is a nod to that because uh, at one point in my 20s, I was bilingual and I, I liked to travel. And uh, then I settled in once I had uh, my, my son 21 years ago. He's a student now at University of Saskatchewan. Settled down um, working in a regional college in uh, rural Saskatchewan and loved it, loved administrative work. And I loved turning the academic articles that I would read into practice through my work there as a coordinator of ESL, English as a subsequent language and uh, literacy facilitator. And I just sort of worked my way up, uh, taking on new challenges, pretending I'm not scared of doing the next thing. And I'm currently the Dean of University Credit Sciences, Health and Human Services at Coast Mountain College in Northwest BC, Canada. Awesome. Um, and I just got to give you uh, a lot of credit both because, uh, you know, I, I just sort of um, I, I remember, you know, a water cooler or hallway conversation or whatever to the extent that we both kind of had that in common in as much as we started with uh, arts degrees at a certain juncture. And like, yeah, you know, you got I, I had student loans that I hoped to pay off. So. That got me off to uh, South Korea, where I, you know, met Dr. Lee Smith at that point. But uh, and then as well, uh, just trying out sort of various parts of Canada, uh, various sort of uh, occupations and whatnot, um, and uh, just sort of finding your way. I just I I just you know, I'm, I'm more really within the curricular and, you know, instructional design and technology and whatnot so when I when I see when I hear somebody you know, like you or I guess even like Lee talking at the previous episode uh, about you know like the joy of administrative work like wow the world needs more people like you because sometimes I don't I just you know sometimes it's it seems like uh, the weight of the role is very much upon some of those in the role and you just think, man, you don't 
seem to necessarily be enjoying yourself with this. So, you know, for people who actually sort of come up from being an educator and, you know, this and that, uh, you know, trying things out, occupying various roles, not being afraid to fail, or if you are, you know, just kind of powering through it. And uh, yeah, just, I mean, good for you. I just think that all sounds rad. So just standing, you know, it's, a, it's impressive, I think. Thank so you. I guess, um, yeah, well, totally. I mean, it's just, it's, it's relatable on the other hand, but I had, I, I have a good, I have a good colleague back in Ontario um, from when I, work there and we still every we have like every couple of months we have a skype conversation and uh we have this thing called you know where she just kind of tells me how it's going and uh the, sometimes you may have heard of this Kara. there's an issues of teaching while female <laughs> it's, it's a different ball of wax it's like you get it's it's a tougher thing so i've never taught as a, as a man so i girl. can't really compare <laughs> It's just, you know, you get more like in terms of the whatever, there's more of the patriarchal. Yeah. Anyway, 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 just. So interview like questions. This is why I've got the Google Doc here. So um, uh, I guess just uh, but seriously, though, um, when uh, when you sort of we, we started out in the Facebook chat and you were kind of describing what your work involves. Um, and I'll, I'll just uh, put it in the quote marks here. Innovative Canadian university professors as change leaders. Yeah. Radical. Would you like to just sort of maybe uh, talk about the interest and or what led you to that particular sort of a topic or area? Sure. So I have worked in five different post-secondary institutions in the last 15 years in Canada in Saskatchewan, Alberta, and BC. And I felt like I was noticing something about really exciting, innovative professors doing things across their tripartite roles. So in their teaching in the classroom or in their research uh, with the community or um, in their service to the community or to the institution that was not being talked about by official formal leaders in those same institutions. So when official formal leaders were talking about innovation, they were not, not bringing up these examples of all these professors. And I felt like this was a gap or a disconnect. And after mulling it over, uh, finishing my master's, I thought, hmm, I think I would like to explore this more. Nobody else seems to be noticing, uh, but it's really striking to me. It's really fascinating. And so I started my doctoral program. It's an EDD, so I continued to work while I continued to write and research. Yeah. Um, yeah it's I have a full draft of my dissertation done, and I'm just working on edits. Um, so ever closer to the finish line. But uh, awesome. I interviewed. Congrats. Seriously, that's a, that's a major milestone, like when you've reached the point when the body of it is just like now you just have to, like writing is like rewriting, really. But you know, you got your however many thousand of words kind of, you know, in the bag. Your references are there. Like, seriously, just, you know, that's that's rad. Personally. Yeah, it feels good to have that body of work yeah. make, make sense as a cohesive thing. Yeah, it's got a beginning, middle, and end. And, I mean, at my juncture with, within the Workland program, I mean, 
it was an awesome program. I felt very supported. I had awesome, uh, you know, supervisors and, and just, you know, the whole way through really well. But, you know, because these programs require you to be working at the time and you have personal commitments and professional commitments. I mean, that was the part that I found daunting um, and just kind of negotiating all, all of that stuff just to get to the point where you can actually do your research and sort of get it done. That just, you know, is kind of a, you know, a, a thing just to be credited in and of itself. Right. So, yeah, it's a big thing. Totally. Um, so I guess um, then, I mean, if I can infer, um, you're talking about sort of two sort of different concepts of innovation. So do you then have sort of an operational sense of innovation that you advocate for? So like, are you sort of trying to yep. move practice in a certain direction or are you trying to just kind of document existing practice? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So I, um, I did a case study. I interviewed 11 professors, tripartite professors from Canadian universities in the spring of 2022. And uh, I asked them about 10 questions. Uh, some of those questions were focused on what kinds of collaborations they pursued. Uh, but the rest were about uh, their understanding of leadership and their activities that could constitute innovation. So from that, I came up with a thematic analysis that resulted in, in various themes. So here are some things we can say about innovative professors in Canada. Uh, they're engaged in new value creation. Uh, we tend to think of new value creation as like entrepreneurialism, but it's often social in nature as well. Uh, Innovative professors are very collaborative, more than individualistic, although, you know, they, they do vary in terms of the number and size of the collaborations that they engage with. Um, they really transcend singularities. This is something that came up in the literature before I did my interview and my my data sustained it. So if you are uh, working in science, you may, as an innovative professor, engage in uh, social science research or interdisciplinary kinds of projects. So you're not sticking to a singular methodology or singular discipline. Um, they all, and this is no surprise, deploy the scientific and evidence-based methods in their practice across their tripartite activities. So even if they're uh, doing service as part of a university committee, they're bringing that evidence-based training uh, to what they might put forward or evolve. Um, they really mobilize their capital. This is uh, the idea of capital and uh, prof the professor was evolved by um, Pierre Bordeaux. And he talked about professors inhabiting intellectual capital. Yes, we think about professors as intellectual leaders or thought leaders, uh, but also cultural and social capital. And so they mobilize this wealth of capital, uh, not to earn more money, not usually anyways, uh, but, <laughs> but to uh, balance things out sort of socially. So they're always looking to um, use and advance social justice tenets and uh, to kind of reform inequities or reform structural problems in Canadian systems in which they work. Um, a couple more here, they connect to non-academic audiences. So we can't call you or you won't call yourself an innovator if you're never leaving the lab and your work does not influence uh, practice or uh, there's no other beneficiary outside of the academy. 
Um, they really, this was interesting and a surprise and not something I'd seen in the literature before. They lean into understanding and contributing towards grand challenges. So some of those grand challenges of our time, those sticky or wicked problems, um, indigenization or reconciliation in Canada is a big issue. Uh, uh, climate change or social justice, sorry, uh, ecological justice, some of those big aspects, big problems that face uh, society in the world. These uh, innovative folks are the ones that will join the committee, lend their work, contribute time to kind of pulling them apart or, or making things better. Um, and then finally, the innovative professors I talked to were all really deeply and passionately motivated to contribute to the greater good. They were not doing this for fame and fortune. I'm just so impressed. First of all, you just even gonna just give us all that in the podcast because sometimes people are like proprietary or like my book, you know, I it's you're not treating this like uh intellectual property. You're really just sort of like looking to bring this to the people because I mean clearly you know kind of what you're in for. You, I mean we're friends on Facebook. You you've seen my kind of the vibe that this podcast has and where it came from. And you still like when I, I was like, does anybody want to kind of jump in? You just were one of the first people who, you know, right. So I was, uh, so, I mean, just, I just think it's very altruistic and kind, I guess, to, to, to put it out that you're just kind of like, here you go, people on the internet, Here's a very significant summation uh, of your uh, research uh, as yet to be defended. I mean, just good for you. Just putting it out there with confidence and owning it. That is just friggin' rad. Um, first thoughts, <laughs> you know, it's, it's cool. Um, so I guess, you know, first of all, having gone through that whole uh, process and, uh, you know, checked in with these people and really done the coding and sort of gone through it, um, I guess, would you say then um, in documenting these sort of attributes uh, or characteristics, like, I guess, and, and because you're very much about sort of operationalizing knowledge into practice, what would you then see as sort of from, like, what practices could you see as extending from these lessons? Do you, do you know what I mean? Does that kind of make sense? Yeah, yeah, I think I'm uh, gathering what you're saying. So what, what, I, just hypothetically, just kind of thinking aloud from if you if you were to think like in terms of educational practices, administrative practices, teaching practices of whatever kind, you have these really high performing collaborative cohort um, and they really disclose a lot about kind of what makes them dynamic or innovative. So, like, if somebody who's, like, less dynamic or innovative was like, well, how could I be more like this person? You know, I guess. Mm. What kind of practices or um, you can turn this in another direction. I guess I'm just sort of trying to think of, you know, teacher yeah. tips, administrator tips, faculty tips. Okay. You know? I, I, my mind goes first to how do we hire and select from these people? And that's my okay. perspective as a as an administrator right um, Good. Thank you. so 
This is actually problematic because we usually have panels of existing faculty hiring new faculty. And we have based it on a couple of um, perhaps somewhat outdated ideas about a number of publications, a little bit of teaching experience. Um, and actually the innovator is less likely to be, you know, first author on piles and piles of, of um, publications because they are spending so much time on um, service work or collaboration. So you should see their name alongside other people's names um, and not just uh, sort of taking or occupying uh, the authorial space on their, on their own. Um, and, you know, I think we probably also can surface here that if you have a lot of stagnant or jaded faculty, they may not be the best positions to identify and bring on and be supportive of their innovative potential colleagues. Stagnant or dated faculty. I want that on a t-shirt. I just like, you know, kind of, or just when I'm out and about in the summer, just stagnant and dated faculty. That's just, sorry, just, um, so hiring practices, HR practices, this is an insight into the administrative mind. I, I just, again, like my career path is just kind of thus far really not sort of gone to that. People are just sort of like, well, we'll have you doing this kind of curricular kind of gig and it's cool. But, you know, when I see people taking quite a, you know, enlightened approach, a proactive approach to be, you know, so hiring practices, improved HR sort of profiles, I guess, because like, I mean, there are rubrics and such sometimes, right, with these things where like weighted attributes uh, and, and, and schema. I mean, I guess they probably vary by institution and whatnot. Um, so, I mean, I've never had even the opportunity as yet to, to sit in on a hiring committee, but um, it seems like it takes up a lot of time. I see my CEO doing interviews and my current thing. I just, it's, it's just like you can spend a third of your week doing interviews for a position any given time. Is, 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 is that not the case that you find with you or? I do spend a lot of my time on hiring committees in my current role. Uh, so yeah, I would say it is, it is a bit of a preoccupation and every institution does not need every faculty member to be an innovator. You maybe want, well, I, my research doesn't say how many you want, <laughs> uh, but maybe you want a couple and then you want some of the people to, to hang on and maintain some of those traditional aspects of teaching, learning and research. So, um, if you wanted to though, uh, kind of select for innovators, the this research will give you a, a couple of ways to do that or to look for that. And maybe you don't want innovators, maybe they're too much trouble. <laughs> and then you can select, you can opt out based on some of these criteria too. As you can like how to hire stagnant <laughs> and dated faculty if the ratio is a little bit low because you don't want to get people too riled up. I mean, God exactly. Might get banned from a website or something. Anyway, um, so uh, I guess I'll just uh, sort of say, since we're on the topic of uh, publications, uh, you just happen to sort of speak to some of. Um, I, I, I found your most recent one because uh, you very helpfully kind of ran it up on uh, LinkedIn, and I was like, 
Uh, maybe or or Facebook or or both. I I, I the one I both. yeah, but I was just like, there you go. It's so uh, Tiala uh, and uh, yourself, two different institutions. I mean, uh, would you like to just sort of talk about uh, what went into that uh, and and how that sort of fits in with your research program? Yeah, I'd love to, I'd love to tell that story. This is a, this is a wonderful story. Uh, Sylvia awesome. Tiala at the University of Wisconsin Stout uh, leads the teaching and learning center there. And um, we've been co-authors uh, and collaborators on a couple of different things. And the hub, awesome. the connector of us um, and many other people is Dr. John Willison. Uh, Dr. John Willison is a senior faculty member in the University of Adelaide in Australia. Uh, he is world renowned for his work on the research skill development framework, uh, framework for undergraduate research skills development. And there's a lot of variations of that that he and a colleague, Carrie uh, O'Regan, worked on, I think back in 1997, and it's been updated. Um, one of the institutions I worked for, actually several institutions that I've worked for, have hosted him to come and talk to faculty about how to be uh, or implement more research-based or project-based learning in undergraduate classrooms. And uh, when he came to Saskatoon, Saskatchewan, he told us that he did not want to stay in a hotel. He wanted to be billeted. Oh. And everybody around the table was sort of quiet, like, who does that? Who, who billets somebody they've never met? And it turns out I do. <laughs> so uh, my family offered to uh, billet or to host Dr. John Willison. And it was like a master class in undergraduate research. I was doing my master's at the time. And he has been a huge supporter, I would say, even an endorser of some of my career aspirations, connecting me to different people around the world. And everybody that he connects me to is so smart and generous. Because if you're just so smart, this person is like a, a sort of mentor person to you, as well as being a connector, would you say? Um, yeah, like a, bit you of both? Know, a little bit of both. Uh, you know, Malcolm Gladwell, like he uses that term social connector. I really think of John Willison as a social connector. He brings great people in. He gives a lot of service back to different communities, uh, for example, awesome. the South Pacific or indigenous communities in Australia. Uh, yeah, he's connecting people all of the time, and the people he connects to and with are wonderful, hands down, wonderful people. So yeah, Sylvia and I worked on that uh, chapter, book chapter. Uh, John Willison has a new project planned. He invited me to come back. It just goes on and on. <laughs> well, that's fantastic. So um, obviously, then within this edited collection, so. I guess, and just in terms of, I, I was really, uh, I appreciate, you know, sort of uh, the, the story that.
back, Matt. Can you try again? Yeah, that'll be uh, just uh, something for Camtasia. Um, that's just uh, the uh, the sketchy basement maritime internet uh, just dropped us, but that's cool. Um, so I guess uh, I'll just then, you know, Camtasia, Camtasia, da 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 da, da and then. Um, so if you could then just uh, perhaps, uh, you know, if there was any part of the process or uh, content from you know your your chapter that you that you wrote with this awesome collaborator or for that matter um does that link to other research that you've done with this person yeah i would say the gist of my peer-reviewed academic publications including book chapters has been about undergraduate research uh i was hired okay. into to the role of coordinating undergraduate research at the university of saskatchewan um well gosh 2013 um and uh it's only very loosely direct uh, related to my doctoral study in the way that i did a lot of ac academic development in in that work getting instructors to think differently about teaching and learning and to connect their research and teaching um so my doctoral project sort of stemmed from some of those innovators that i saw in that work but uh, I do sort yeah. of publish and research in more than a single area. Well, and that's fantastic. No, I mean, it's just, again, uh, with uh, these uh, you know, sort of uh, professionally oriented programs where people kind of land in them after being, you know, within a career for a while. So, I mean, you've been sort of uh, working in this particular space uh, for, for quite a matter of time. And uh, now after being within the uh, academic, uh, you know, environment in various capacities, you're stepping into your doctoral study. I, I was uh, still actually within my first five years of being an educator when I went into the doctoral program. Um, so I didn't have like a, a ton of uh, any kind of other, other than just like a few conference presentations, you know, um, so, I think that's uh, just really awesome that you've uh, sort of kept up an interest in that area throughout your career and uh, contributing to other areas. So um, apart then from this area um, and your doctoral area, um, has there been like any other projects or professional kind of projects or just like initiatives that you kind of would be interested to speak of because they're cool? Uh, I'm one of those people who thinks way too many things is cool. I, I, <laughs> uh, making, I think I'm a big advocate of faculty. Uh, one of the things that has come up in lots of literature and my research study as well is the workload is really heavy um, for faculty. Uh, it's not just in Canada but it's everywhere and there's a lot of pressure to publish as well as teach, as well as to take on additional activities. And while I don't wanna support overworking people and the burnout that can come from that, I do get excited about a lot of different things. So if folks invite me to a project and I have an interest and I can learn from being a part of it and I can contribute, then I get involved. So one of the projects is World Class Day uh, this was started by an emeritus professor, Dr. David Parkinson at the University of Saskatchewan. Um, he did a collaborative online international learning project with Dr. Pyle uh, C. Mukherjee in Delhi, India. 
uh, and some other colleagues in the English department at the University of Saskatchewan. And we ended up starting some somehow, you know how these conversations happen over lunch or the water cooler or walking across campus, that we would host students from around the world to present their undergraduate research in a way that didn't cost them any money. So there's no fees, um, no tuition or costs for students to apply. It's all volunteer based. And I've got collaborators in um, London, UK, in uh, Indonesia, in Ecuador, and we meet once or twice a month across the year and we put on this free symposium. It's so much work, but when I see those smiling faces in the middle of the dark Canadian winter from places beyond my imagination, and then we see the students present from uh, Rwanda, from, uh, well, from every part of the globe that we have somehow managed to convince to send students, um, it really just lights my heart out. We see tremendous hope, uh, tremendous reason for optimism that undergraduate students are passionate about solving uh, the world's problems in all corners of the globe. And it provides me with a huge sense of satisfaction. Uh, no pay, <laughs> I get paid for that work, uh, but the rewards are so generative. And I think, that's, I think that's connected to a lot of the work of the innovators that I spoke to. Um, they form really stunning, deep relationships. One of, one of the interviewees called them sister scholars. This group of, of, of women scholars that she had connected with from around the world through conferences or professional associations. Um, and they, you know, she considered them her kin, uh, her academic kin. And so those relationships, I think, sustain a lot of us through, through the workload, through the burnout, uh, through changing, having to change institutions and having to move around. Matt, I know that's happened to you too. You have to move around to have a job sometimes uh, and leave people you care about behind. And, uh, but you find new people and you can stay connected to those that you really value no matter where you are and where they are. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, that all just sounds rad. And uh, I just am really uh, sort of drawn in my sort of own kind of, you know, personal dealings uh, to people who just kind of are uh, motivated about what they're doing. I mean, you know, wh whatever you happen to do, I mean, just own it, you know, like if you're going to be sort of in, you know, like an entrepreneur, if you're going to be a retail, you know, career, if you're going to be I mean, my sister, you talk, you, you mentioned that you're, you spent some time as a flight attendant. My sister is a career flight attendant with Air Canada based in uh, Vancouver. And uh, I mean, she just uh, she's been doing it for like 15 years at this point. And she's just I mean, I think she's going to just go out that way because she loves it. So it's uh, I don't know how I'm bringing. My, sorry, Sarah, if you're listening, I'm pr probably not. But uh, but I mean, I guess. You know, it's like when you find the thing that lands for you that resonates and it's just, you know, it's, it's sort of like it's it's kind of like with these podcasting kind of endeavors. I mean, um, that is definitely something that's uh, ramped up for me uh, since, you know, in the absence of my kids primarily, since, as you mentioned, about shifting locales for for work and whatever. And uh, for me, it's like, well, between this and uh you know the music one that i do uh that kind of and then it's like you know that you're on to something if you spend a bunch of time at your job kind of doing teacher learning kind of stuff and then you go home and then all you do is like more teacher learning stuff 
And, you know, you get a little bit of sleep and then, you know, you get up in the morning and you just, it just, you have to care about it because otherwise you're just, you're, you're out. Right. So um, I think what you described uh, just, is just such a, you know, I, 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 I get it. Just, you know, the hours and hours going into a somewhat irrational enterprise, but then uh, you get something at the very end of it in terms of uh, a connection with people that just sort of uh, brings it all, uh, brings it all out. Right. So I, I do tend to ramble. I mean, you, you may know this just uh, um, well, it's, Oh, I missed the first part of what you said. Can you ask again? Would you like to? Uh, how do you want to talk about your uh, super your 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 supervisors here? Because I was about to say, like with my supervisors, what they one of the things they put to me was, "What do you want to be doing in five years, and how does this relate?" Um, so I guess first of all, I would just say I would invite you to sort of reflect on. Uh, you know, your experience with your supervisors, if you want to shout them out or not, and possibly, you know, um, any advice they may have given you that's kind of landed. Yeah, totally. Thanks for that prompt, Matt. So um, my current supervisor is Dr. Marlon Simmons. He's an associate dean in the graduate school, no, in uh, Workland School of Education, working with graduate students. Um, he was an instructor in my master's program. Um, I did an M.Ed. also through University of Calgary, Workland. And um, he just really, a mental, his instruction really meant a lot to me. He was, he's a very intellectual person, in my opinion. Um, and everything that he says gets me thinking and unthinking. So trying to, to, to keep up to him <laughs> gets me thinking in, in ways that I have never thought before. Um, and then unthinking things or that I have uh, assumed or biases. Love that the I have. unthinking. Love the unthinking. Yeah. So at some point at the ISOTO conference of the International Society for the Scholarship of Teaching and Learning, which happened in Calgary in 2017, I met him face to face. I had done my master's degree online. And in front of a group of people that he was presenting to, he called me out and said, Kara is going to be our, our doctoral student in the near future. And so it was. <laughs> so I went back Radical. to Brooklyn to do my doctorate degree in order to learn more from Dr. Marlon Simmons. Uh, he's a wow, fantastic. That's awesome. You said uh, you had really experienced uh, a lot of support um, in that program and the EDD program. And that's been my experience, too. Um, Dr. Simmons has seen me move uh, across several provinces and into new roles. Um, and as a single parent, that's not easy to keep up with a dissertation. And he's never impatient with me. He's always um, just encouraging me to find the next uh, nugget to explore um, in terms of the research, in terms of the reach, in terms of the literature. What else, what more uh, is speaking to you? And how can you um, convey what you're thinking to whatever audience it may or may not reach? Yeah, he's been instrumental. And actually, 
as I as I come to the place where I'm editing and and going to defend, I'm actually going to miss him. Like how how do, who, how do people move past these really mon- monumental uh, academic relationships? I I'm not sure, but I know he'll have other students coming his way because he's he's fantastic. Well, that is awesome. And again, um, it's uh, just the aspect of it where you've uh, had an opportunity to uh, learn from this person, collaborate with this person over two graduate degrees at this point. Um, I just think that's a really uh, a fine example of uh, how good it really can be. Uh, and uh, if you happen to kind of uh, encounter such people in your life, right, that's that's awesome. Well, I mean, I know that you're at the end of your working day um, and uh, we're kind of winding down here. We've sort of uh, gone through what I kind of had as far as pretty much any pre kind of scripted questions. Um, I guess probably, Kara, I would just want to say thanks a lot for being here. Um, I really um, I I just uh, I can't think of anybody more. Uh, dynamic or uh, you know just uh, professional you know so having you uh, coming on here after leave and having you guys that know each other in that weird Saskatchewan way back in the day um, I, I just think that's I, I really a nice one two kind of thing in terms of one conversation followed by uh, the next so uh, again I would just like to say Thanks for being here. Uh, was there anything you wanted to uh, speak to that we didn't get to cover here? or I will just close it out. This was really fun, Matt. Thanks for giving me the opportunity and for giving a forum for academics, new and young and old and jaded. <laughs> and, uh, uh, the other thing that I would like to leave is I gave the uh, sort of thematic themes for my doctoral work, but I'm also working on a typology of the innovative professor, which I'm excited to be able to present in my dissertation as well. So uh, there's parts that I'm really happy to share about and I would invite any kind of conversations about that. Um, but there is a sort of stay tuned piece as well that I'm uh, still mapping out. That is fantastic. And uh, I am hoping that uh, we'll uh, be able to having, uh, you know, having uh, in have the show, have the time, whatever, that we can sort of hear back from you later about this stuff is what I was trying to get at there. That sounds fun, too. Thanks so much, Matt. Fantastic. Thanks a lot, Kara. Appreciate it. And uh, take care. Exactly. Literally, from coast to coast. Um, I'm going to end the recording now. Bye, everybody.